this is the third location that I've had the opportunity to share a message with Glory of God Christian Fellowship. I don't know if you're trying if you're trying to lose me or I'm chasing you. Uh, no, this is fine. I think I think I'll be fine most of the time unless I decide to go an hour and a half. I have a general rule. Since no one told me how long I can preach, I usually try to stop. I try to stop preaching before you stop listening. <laughs> so, so if you if you work that principle, usually it works out pretty good. I think uh, it's been a number of years now since I preached under the shelter out at the uh, Y when you uh, were pushed out of the shelter because of some flooding in the the uh, building, and then over on Overland Road a few years ago, and now here. So where's next? So, yeah, we will, we will keep up with where you go, where your travels take you. But it's good to see how God is continuing to use this fellowship and continuing to grow and to add. I've met several people here already this morning and said they've been here a year or two years or so forth. So that means new people are coming in on a regular basis. And that's what your mission and your ministry is about. And that's one of the things Ken and I talked about. In terms of uh, the message I would share with you today, and it's going to be kind of a missions-based message because uh, that's where we continually need to, to stay focused is uh, churches so often, many of them that are losing uh, people and that are not growing and are declining and are actually dying are churches that lose a sense of what their mission is and what it is that God has called them to do in the setting where they are. So that's what we're going to focus on this morning. And the scripture that will be on the screen, if you have your Bible, would like to follow along, or your electronic device, uh, to take it and turn to Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. Perhaps a very familiar story to you because it's that familiar story about the Macedonian vision where uh, Paul has a dream. And in that dream and in that vision, God gives them a mission and a challenge to go to a place called Macedonia. So if you'll follow along in your Bible, I'll be reading from, from mine, which is uh, actually the New American Standard. Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. And they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mycenae, they were trying to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Have you ever been in a season of prayer or a time of seeking and searching in your life? And thought that you were supposed to do a certain thing. And then God prevented you from doing it. Or did not allow you to see a way that it could be done. Or maybe even suggested to you in some form or fashion, there is even a better thing that you can do. There is another place you can go. There is another mission that you can be a part of. That's what we see going on here because there are very few places in Scripture where you ever turn and the Holy Spirit says no. Usually the Holy Spirit is about saying yes. Affirming and confirming. Of course also convicting in our lives of sin. Comforting in other ways. And then teaching us and admonishing and encouraging us. 
And in this situation, we see Paul and those who are part of his missionary band seeking to go into as many places as they possibly can as they're seeking to spread the gospel all around this part of what we would call today Asia Minor. And as they were seeking to do that, they were probably getting up each day and saying, how many places can we go and how many people can we share the gospel to and where is the best place to do that? According to this passage of scripture, it says in their journeys, they had already kind of set out a map. They had some kind of plan. Now, they didn't have GPS. So in one sense, they really didn't know where they were going. But wherever they went into whatever region, they were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had a mission, and they had some sense of vision of what that was. But something unique was going to happen to them. Now, Baptists have always been a people that have been a part of a mission's vision. From our very beginnings in the Reformation period, if you go back that far into history, into the 1500s, or if you come as far forward into the 1800s when the Southern Baptist Convention and other Baptist denominations came together, we came together because we believed that God wanted us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and teach people and baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why your fellowship is a fellowship. You're here to be on that kind of mission, however it is that God leads you. Now that mission's mandate that we have is one that we certainly take from Acts 1.8, where God tells us that we're to go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Macedonia, even. The uttermost parts of the world. And when we begin to think about what that means, that means that the people of our Macedonia are different than the people of the Macedonia in Paul's day, but they are people who are also, in one sense or another, begging us to come and help them. Have you ever thought about your mission in that sense? That there actually are people somewhere here on Hillsborough Street, somewhere in this part of Raleigh, that are reaching out to you but they really don't even know it. They're reaching out to you because of the hurt and the pain and the loss and the need that they have for Jesus Christ. Because they know, deep down within, there's something that they need. There's something that is missing in their life. And one of the things that's for sure, the people of your Macedonia don't really care how you get to them. They don't know about the hows and the whys of mission strategies or missions planning. They don't know all the thing about how Baptists like associations and churches and conventions get their work done and how the, they don't know how Glory of God Christian Fellowship came into being with the Raleigh Association and the Baptist State Convention and a pastor who came from the Philippines who had a heart for ministry here and how that's evolved over the years with the various pastors that you've had and as your mission strategy has changed over these 20, about 20 years or so, I guess. They don't know about all that. And you know what? They don't have to know. All they need to know is, is that you care. Because, you know, that old saying comes to heart and comes into play in church mission so very often. You know, people don't really care too much about anything until they know you care. They have to know you care. They have to know that you believe that they are here and they can be reached for a purpose. 
Now, I've been told that there's something uh, 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 somewhere between about 32 and 35,000 students that go to NC State. Now, I have to believe that there are a few of them that might need you, that might be available right here in this area for you to touch their lives in some way. And I know this Baptist Student Center has been used for decades for that kind of ministry, and now that ministry has changed and they're doing some things here that are different. Yes, but church-based ministry is still the ministry that's going to touch and affect lives. Your ministry is going to touch people's lives. And that's why I think it's so important for us to remember that there are all kinds of challenges that come out of this Acts 16, 10 challenge here. God has called us to go into the fields and to be the laborers, yes. But even more importantly than that, God has challenged us to do a number of things. And I'm going to talk to you about two things for the next few minutes. The first thing I want to challenge you with is, is in this vision that Paul has, if we're going to discover a vision for the 21st century, 2015, right here on Hillsborough Street, I think you've got to begin where Paul's vision began, with a commitment to go from where you've been to where God is leading you because of people. Because of people, not because of some well-defined strategy, not because of any other reason, but because there are people that you need to reach and there are people that need you. Now, in this passage of Scripture, there are two things that are easy to overlook because they're some of the most obvious things in Scripture. And there's two objects here in this six-verse story, a man of Macedonia and the people of Macedonia. Because this man who comes to Paul in the vision says, us and them. Paul's vision of a Macedonian man begging him was to come over and touch our lives. Do something to change us. Come and offer us hope. And I ask you, friends, in the fellowship of the gospel, what is the most obvious thing that we have in Jesus Christ? We have hope. The glorious hope. Yesterday I had the opportunity to spend the entire day with a family that celebrated the life of their mother and grandmother and great-grandmother and aunt and, and so many other relationships. She was a member of the church that I pastored here in Raleigh for 17 years and she died at the great age of 106 years and 6 months and 8 days. She lived... 38,845 days. The average person in the United States that lives to be 79 lives 28,000 days. She got 10,800 more than most of us will ever know. She lived one of the most unbelievable lives you can imagine. And we celebrated that life yesterday. And we talked about all the different things. And one of the most important things that I kept hearing people say at the graveside, and then at the celebration of life service, was the hope that she had and the hope that she gave other people because of her hope in Jesus Christ. You have chosen to touch lives and share faith. And Paul, in that vision, came out of that vision with an, must have been an unbelievable uh, understanding that we're going to do something like we haven't done before when we were trying to go into these other areas 
of Mycenae and Troas and other places and Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit was saying, no, I want to direct you somewhere else. The Holy Spirit was saying, wait, you're going to get what you need to know. And when that came, Paul must have shared it with those other people because eventually, within hours evidently of him waking and sharing the vision, the whole group said, we were convicted that we were to go to Macedonia and preach the gospel to them. It, did, it didn't remain my vision. It can't be the vision of one person of glory of God Christian fellowship. It can't be the vision of just the deacons. It has to be the vision of all of this fellowship. And the strength and the power of what you do in mission and ministry is when everybody gets on the same page, isn't it? When everybody says, let's do it. And when everybody says, we can do it. And that we will do it. And that's the challenge. Sometimes, like Paul, and like these disciples, you have to discover that some of the things you would rather do and some of the places you'd rather go are not in his will for your life or maybe even for this church, but just like he did for Paul and his disciples. He will, revi he will reveal what his vision is to you if you will embrace it. Now, I know there have been times in my life in ministry there were some things I thought I was supposed to do and I wanted to do. And the Holy Spirit didn't allow me to do it. Didn't allow me to go there. He didn't allow me to confront those things or, or leave my church to do those things. And sometimes those are the greatest growth experiences you'll ever have. I appreciate so much the testimony that Mark gave a few moments ago. And one thing about that testimony that, I, that reminded me even of my own and of many others that I've heard is that sometimes we play what I call the, the calculator game with God. We try to add up the ledger on this side and the pluses and the assets for me are here and the negatives and the debits are on this side. And you know what? After a while you discover that that's not the kind of game God plays. God's grace is complete and full. It washes all of that out. God wants us to realize that we need him alone, just like these people need him. So that first challenge is this. Uh, you must come to the point that there's a commitment that you will go from where you've been to where God is leading because of people. And the second challenge is this. It's a ministry of encouragement that Paul is talking about here. The vision comes to Paul in such a way that it teaches him some important things about his own life. Can you imagine what it must have been like when Paul and his group got together and they went to Macedonia, however far that journey was, we don't know exactly at that point in time, but let's say it's another 10 or 20 miles down that dusty road and it's going to take them another day or two or three to get to Macedonia. But when they get there and they're dirty and dusty as you would have been in ancient times, how do you think those people in Macedonia felt when they saw them coming, bringing their gospel and their hope? Maybe they didn't really know what was coming. Maybe they really didn't know what the message was going to be. But somehow that vision that came to Paul in the night was given in the form of a man who probably, as we can imagine, must have been someone of influence in the community 
that would have opened the door for that ministry. You remember back to Paul's ministry, the stories of, of John Mark and Barnabas and Silas. Paul didn't always get along with everybody, did he? He was pretty argumentative early on. In fact, he was so argumentative that they split up ways and the mission team became two groups. And then they split again a third time. So Paul could be a little bit of a hothead. He wanted his way. But along the way, Paul changed. And he learned that he must be an encourager. And he must have people like Barnabas, the encourager, the encouraging one, as Scripture interprets his name. And that's what we have to be. We have to be encouragers to people. And it doesn't matter if you're in the first century or the 21st century. It takes a pretty cold and calloused heart to hear the voice of somebody begging you to come over and help them and then not go. And I believe if the glory of God Christian fellowship would be quiet and listen for the still small voices, you would hear people here in this part of Raleigh saying, come and help us. Come and reach us. We're here. We want to know that you're there. Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12 said this, We encouraged you, we comforted you, and we kept urging you to live the kind of life that pleases God, who calls you to share in his own kingdom and glory. Encouraged, comforted, kept urging. Three strong words that suggest that mission's vision has to be a mission, a mission of encouragement. And that's a very hard thing to do at times, I'm sure. There was, if you've studied history and know much about wars, you'll remember there was a very small war that happened in 1899 to 1902. It was called the Boer War. And during that Boer War, an unusual thing happened because there was a man who was actually tried and convicted in court for the crime of discouragement. He went up and down the trenches of the, the battles and he would say to people, we, sh we shouldn't be in this war. We, we're not going to win this war. We've gotten into this war for all the wrong reasons. And on and on and on it went. And finally, when the war was over, he was taken to court. And after testimony was heard, he was convicted of not having some weapon to hurt the cause, but by simply speaking words of discouragement. So what does that say to us and what does it say out of the scripture that Paul has related to us in this sense that here is this one who God has spoken to and has given him a vision? What does it say to our fellowship, to your fellowship? I think it says this, we must find ways to be an encouraging voice in our fellowship. We must be together. We must work together. We must challenge together. We must seek to be people who want to make a difference. We want to embrace, yes, the Great Commission to go into all the world, beginning right where we are, simply because we've heard the voices of the hurting and the helpless and the hopeless. If you'll keep your eyes open and your ears open this week, probably before Tuesday or Wednesday, you'll meet some of the hurting and the hopeless and the helpless. And they need an encouraging word. 
and in their hopelessness and helplessness and in their hurting, they're saying the same thing that the man in the vision said. Will you come over here and help me? So I leave you with this question this morning. What will your answer be when you're asked to come? Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, you call us to so many things. You call us to mature in you. You call us to be strong disciples. You call us to love you. You call us to follow you. But Father, you call us also to respond to the world that is hurting and lost without you. We ask just now that as we go forward into this week, that it might ever be on our minds and in our hearts, that in this vision, that there was a call to come and help. Paul and his men said yes. The question remains, what will we say? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We apologize. We're supposed to have.